word for the holy altar that burns with your power, your freedom, your righteousness, your peace, your grace, and your love. So, Lord, we do lift you up in this place. We bless you and we praise you in the holy name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. So, praise. Oh, here it is. I, I was holding, I've got a book of teachings and I've been going through some of them from 2000. I came with 1998, 96. Oh, I was just a child preacher. Chuck, it ain't, who is that laughing with Chuck? Miss Pat and Chuck. Ain't that funny? Praise the Lord. Amen. But, uh,. <laughs> I had a little, I had another hair clip in there holding it. It fell out. I said, oh, Lord, where am I? But, uh, hey, praise God. He's worthy to be praised. He helped at me. He helped at me. So <clears throat> we're going to talk today about the healing atmosphere. Amen. Amen. Because it's very important to understand um, atmospheres, unctions, all of that when it comes to ministry. Uh, we all have an unction to preach. That's why God tells us. To, see, our part is to preach the word. And to preach just means to declare. Amen. Uh, and, and when we say declare, there's a way that you speak with certainty that comes from the spirit of God. Amen. Um I was speaking to somebody, they were listening to some, some, some message and, you know, it's something they just caught on the internet. And I asked, who is that? And they were telling me and they said, oh, somebody, you know, they popped up after I looked at, listened to something else. And I said, well, there's no faith on what they're saying. You understand what I'm saying? So, so we are faith people and we want to always respond in faith because that's, that's how we live. And so if there's faith involved, there's a certain way of speaking definitively um, by unction. So what that means is there's a spirit within you that is is motivating your voice to speak things in a certain way. When that happens, that's preaching. Now, the preaching is our responsibility. Signs following is God's. So, amen. So you're not here to do signs and you're not here to produce signs. You're here to preach. And and as you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, first in your speaking and then in your doing. So uh, turn to Mark 16. I'll start there because we need to understand where we're going with this. These were according to the gospel of Mark, the final commands of Jesus. He says here in verse 17, really starting in the verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we are to do the preaching. He said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now that word baptized really means refers to being born again. Uh, it, it, when you are, when you confess Christ, when you ask Him into your heart, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. 
So that's the first baptism that we should. And that is the spiritual one that God is responsible for to to honor your confession. So that's not something we're responsible for. Neither is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, even though that can be imparted by the laying on of hands. Water baptism is totally voluntary. So it is an outward demonstration of your inward conviction. And so it's it's totally mechanical except God honors it. So God honors it as you making a public declaration because that's a tradition of the church, okay? These other ones, though, are are they have power attached to them because the Holy Spirit is in charge of them. So he's in charge of, of when when you confess Christ, he comes into your heart, uh, bringing life into your spirit. And there are certain signs, so to speak, that will follow that. Amen. Uh, and these are mostly inward. See, there's a circumcision of the heart that the Holy Spirit does when you're born again. There is a seal on your life that comes when you're born again so these are all invisible things but there eventually will come outward evidence of that if you do it with knowledge so it's the knowledge component that sometimes gets people to where they don't really understand how to live for god Uh, well i got saved at a church and i never went back and nobody told me i should go to church they just told me i had to say this prayer and i was good you understand what i'm saying so there are some things that uh they in other words it's very hard for us to look at somebody until they're saved from time to time i mean and that's not our business god knows who are his but then there's the other part of it too where people uh are expected to get involved in a church community and a local fellowship and in in uh um interacting with the saints for purposes of growth maturity and all that kind of stuff where at some point people will show evidence that god lives inside of them there's another evidence too in that the holy spirit gives the baptism in the holy spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and there will be a witness in the spirit of other people who are inborn of the spirit that that voice is coming from the Holy Ghost. So there can be witnesses and things of that nature. But what God wants us to do is understand what our part is. The other part of the, the instructions of Mark, and he tells us this, when we go into all the world and preach the gospel, these signs will follow those who believe they will lay hands on the sick and they will cast out devils. Now, this authority over the power of darkness comes with knowledge. It is not automatic. None of this stuff really is automatic. From the time of you being born again, you got to hear how can we hear unless we hear a preacher and how can he be sent? You know, how can we receive a preacher unless he's sent? So God has to initiate your baptism into the body of Christ by sending someone to preach the gospel to you and instruct you on how to receive the Holy Spirit. And so once the instruction is given, then the Holy Ghost will confirm it 
with a sign following. He will enter the heart of that person. Uh, there will be changes. That person will be drawn to the things of God. There will be a hunger inside of them. These are all indications of the new life of Christ that's on the inside of us. And then that person will pick this up go into all the world and preach so then they go off and start telling everybody the wonderful experience all of that kind of stuff um you know those go along with it so it says these signs shall follow those who believe that if you're really born again and saved and and uh he says the ones who believe not shall be damned the only uh, unpardonable sin is refusing to be born again these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out devils, speak in new tongues, take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will hurt them. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So the the gospel ministry is what people refer to as full gospel. But it was not separated in in God's mind when he wrote that. It wasn't like you get this this revelation, you run with that. Somebody else gets something different, they run with that. When the apostles would, would find out people, see, there were some people that were what they say received Moses' baptism, that is the baptism in water, conversion, but they never received the gift of the Holy Ghost to speak in tongues. And they would come and say, have you received since you believed? Amen. Remember that in the word? So what they are talking about, have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost so you can go do this? So it wasn't about making somebody look small because of what they didn't have, but it was about fully equipping the body of Christ. See, that's what the fivefold are for, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And so we are to equip you, make sure you got everything that you're supposed to have scripturally so that you can go out. Your ministry can be successful for God, not for you, for God. Amen. And so God wants us. To be fully equipped, he he gives out the equipment to everybody. I can remember we first started the ministry and, and the Lord spoke to me and he says, when I send people there, I receive, I send them, if they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're supposed to offer it to them. There's no such thing as somebody comes in there that God doesn't want fully equipped. Now, it'll shock you how many people have churches and supposed to be spirit-filled churches and nobody ever prays for, they never have an altar call, they never have prayer, they never. So we've got a lot of people who are poorly equipped, unequipped, not equipped to do the work of the ministry. Amen. They shall take up serpents if they eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. Now, you got to believe this whole scripture. It'll shock you how many people want to pray for people and, and pray for the sick. And then every time you turn around, they say, well, I must have ate something bad. And I say, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. And I say, well, if you bless it, you can eat it. Quit running up eating everything without blessing it first. My stomach being upset, ever, wonder what it was. Then they want to accuse somebody trying to poison them, all this kind of crazy stuff. So, come on now. If God sends you somewhere in, in the mountain somewhere and they kill something as it run, and it's running across your plate and that's your dinner, you're going to have to learn how to bless stuff and believe for the best. Amen? Somebody always want to go be a missionary, so God's going to send me. Uh-huh. 
So this is our call, folks. This is what God has called us to do. We are called to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You must believe that they will recover. And you don't go back in unbelief checking on them and see how you feeling. What you, what you, how you feeling? What you doing? Leave people alone. Amen. <laughs> Just period. And so, uh, you know, do your part. Just do your part. Pray for them. I remember some, somebody, uh, uh, was a part of the ministry and, they had an aunt, I think, or a grandmother, somebody, you know, I wouldn't have done it, but they wanted grandma well. And they had been in the ministry and seen me walk people, you know, as a common thing. Well, I'm gifted to do that. They ain't. Poor thing, well, grandma out. She said, well, just let's not do any more of this because she had her just a walking and she wasn't getting no better. You understand? See, these things are done by unction. Amen. And see, God will anoint you and empower you with certain giftings that will be a permanent part of your ministry because he needs people to be able to do that kind of stuff. I ain't special. You better not say that. Amen. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. These are as the spirit wills. You got me? In in. Pretty much it works very reliably, you know, at, at every meeting, and that's a blessing. Amen? And so, and some people catch on and some people don't, but that doesn't stop me from doing it. But when the unction stops, I stop. And so if there's no, never the unction, you don't even get started, you know. But they didn't know any better, and they, they were sharing it with me. And I said, well, these things are done by unction. You know, I said, and probably none was there, but you, you had faith that you wanted her well. I said, so in that case, pray for her and believe she will recover. You know, at some point, they will recover if you believe it. Amen. And so we, we just uh, uh, are called to do these things, but there are certain atmospheres that God creates for healing. And as a student of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to know those atmospheres. Hold on. I'm sorry about it. Excuse me. Rachel, you see the bag of bows out there? Okay. All right. So just put them wherever. I'm going to close the door so I'm going to be looking out there. It's... You girls are distracting me. Yeah, close it up, honey. And I won't peek. I won't peek anymore. I promise. Mm. But but part of what we're called to do in studying and being taught and being disciples is we're taught to recognize signs of the Holy Spirit in the atmosphere. Signs of what to do when. And there are many of them. There, the Holy Spirit will talk to us a lot not just in words, not just in inner voice. Sometimes he talks to people audibly. There are so many ways that God communicates with us, but he does also communicate with us through atmospheres. And we have to learn how to recognize atmospheres and anointings. And so we're going to talk about um, the, the healing atmosphere so that you'll know, and, and, and this is something, it can be corporate, 
it can be in a group and it can be private where where it, the the holy spirit will come upon you and you will carry it to where it's supposed to be ministered to but it's not that you walk in it permanently all the time so you have to understand that the anointing comes to do the work of the ministry there is a fellowship with the holy spirit a companionship with the holy spirit there is a holy spirit presence these are all different different just like you know you're you you have different moods you have different sometimes you're joyful sometimes you're peaceful you're quiet subdued whatever you understand what i'm saying god's the same way see if we have personalities and we have different moods and different attitudes for different things that we're we want to accomplish you have to learn god's the same way sometimes people will sense the presence of god and not understand what he wants to do and so when you understand what he wants to do then it's up to you to enlighten people what needs to be done for instance i'll have an altar call and i'll say this is for impartation and people will stand there and they'll feel the presence of god start doing like this and backing up and i said put your hands down i said this is not a worship impartation this is for you to get something i know i know i know i said well stop waving and get on out here then because we got some gone get it you know you sometimes people don't want to be instructed they don't want to receive what god has for them they want to come up to the altar and i know what i'm doing and they're so worried about somebody trying to make them fall and confused and you understand what i'm saying and so as best you can as the minister you got to try and instruct people as to what god wants to do but you got to know what he wants to do first you have to ask god you have to say god i feel your presence can you tell me what you want done what do you want me to speak do you want me what do you want me to do sometimes he just wants to be your companion and and uh honor that you're spending time with him amen sometimes his presence is stronger than it is at other times we have to know all of those things the only way you know you got to ask him if you ask him he will certainly instruct you and sometimes it's it's if you worship god you'll notice he shows up because he's invited in our worship and so he will fellowship with you uh if you want to speak to him then you can speak to him and he will start to to minister things to your to your heart on the inside all of these are are facets of god's personality i would say through the holy ghost and then there are times when there are are unctions for work to do the work of the ministry so there's an unction for fellowship where he will come in out of our worship and abide with us he can he can and and many times he's he does a work in your soul you ever realize when you leave out of here you 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 feel better than when you came in and so that atmosphere does a work on us personally and especially in our souls and many times there's there's rejuvenate rejuvenation of your spirit there is encouragement in your spirit if there are certain things god instructs us to do in that atmosphere whoever's in charge of that meeting will instruct the group amen this isn't like a free-for-all thing it's not like well uh, you know 
um, uh, anybody who can sit up there and say, well, God wants us to do this right now. God wants us to do that right now. You understand me? Because people let that stuff happen in their meetings. You'll be doing jumping jacks and cartwheels. Which, of course, I don't go there because, you know, not my thing, as they say. But uh, you know what I'm saying. If people just get ideas out of everywhere. But but God will speak to whoever's in charge of the meeting. That's why he puts people in charge. So he can speak through one person to let them know what's going on. Now, there have been times when God will tell me things like, well, ask so-and-so if God's speaking something to them. You understand what I'm saying? It, 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 but that's not that often. You know, it's not like coming into this place and every day we come in here, somebody has something different. Like Paul asked him, he said, every time y'all get together, somebody different's got a song, got a song, got a prophecy, got a vision. Shut up. Amen. And so, um, you know, we, we have to understand that God wants us to understand the moving of the Spirit. He wants us to appreciate the moving of the Spirit. Your ministry will be better if you learn how to understand these things. Understand the language of the Holy Ghost what he wants to do and when he wants to do it. But I do know that God wants to keep an atmosphere for for what he wants to do. Because when God can dominate the atmosphere, it'll get done with no sweat, no struggle. Uh, it'll, it'll be easier for people to receive from God. All of that stuff is easier when God controls the atmosphere and the people in charge can know what to do in that atmosphere. Amen. We cooperate with God to get the work of the ministry done. And so and when, when we understand that about God, we'll be more sensitive to create the kind of atmosphere that is conducive for the work of the ministry that God wants us to do. There are people who um, uh, I like atmospheres just because it helps everybody. But there are times when you can speak a word and, and not feel really much of anything. God will honor it. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's just good to speak the word and expect God to perform and, and for God to come through because he does honor his word. Uh, when you're talking about a corporate setting, it's much, much easier to um, to uh, to work in an atmosphere that promotes what you're speaking and promotes what you're saying. There's some certain situations where Jesus, they say, would say Jesus was uh, preaching in this house and there was an atmosphere for healing. The power of of God was there for healing. And so that's the same thing. The healing, there's an atmosphere. And so it, 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 there, it's in, and that's no guarantee people gonna receive anything. Because there, people just don't have to believe and don't have to stretch their faith out if they don't. But that power for healing was always there with him. Why? He had the spirit without measure. And he came to destroy the works of the devil. So the power was there to heal. It was power there to cast out devils. The power was there to do the work of the ministry. So anything that needs, anything that is the work of the ministry, God will create an atmosphere that facilitates that and helps that. If the atmosphere is right, the preacher can hear better. The words of knowledge and words of wisdom will be clearer in their hearing and, and understanding will come. 
all of that's easier when the atmosphere is right for that. When there's an atmosphere for healing, there's also the atmosphere for casting out devils. It's one atmosphere. See, our problem as believers is we chop up the cross. We dismantle it and give pieces to this piece person, pieces here, pieces there, pieces there, pieces there. I don't believe in deliverance ministry. I believe in Mark 16, 17, and 18. That's what's been given to us. Anytime you separate out casting out devils from everything else, my suspicion ears go up. Amen. Because if, if healing was the first thing Jesus did for people. He did it all. But for the most part, people need to be healed. And if there's devils involved, of course, you have the unction to cast them out. So it's when we say healing atmosphere, it means casting out devils too. power. Of God was there to heal and to do everything you need to do to get people well, to affect a cure. So um, Jesus, uh, um, we have a covenant of healing with God. And he tells us that he will not put disease on us. It's been canceled because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so uh, in creating a healing atmosphere, allowing a healing atmosphere, there must be um, some things in place. You have to gather together in his name. In other words, it has to be a legitimate meeting called by God. Amen. Of his people. And so uh, I always tell people, Make sure the the thing that you need to do is make sure that you're under the authority of a ministry gift. Amen. Because sometimes people will depend on like a little group Bible study, a home Bible study. Nothing wrong with it as long as it because it doesn't matter where you meet. As long as somebody who's authorized by God to call a meeting is there in charge. See, see, a lot of times people don't really think about that because we don't look for scriptural evidence now just because somebody says let's get together and pray and you go over somebody's house and pray with them it doesn't mean that god is authorized that meeting amen now i worked in a women's ministry and and we the women who were in charge we had a group of board members and so forth and so on but we were released to do that by a pastor who was our supervisor and was also our um uh what do you call them they call him something um not really a mentor or something like that yeah well something like that but we had authority delegated through his authority that he got from god to carry out the meeting so it would be the same that he would do if he picked a sunday school teacher even they just meet in the same building we met out someplace else but he was always there in the meetings we always had a pastor there present with us in the meetings because that made it a legitimate meeting as far as god's authority is concerned so you can't override god's authority in these things and you can't assume that because y'all get together and you feel god that god called that meeting and he's gonna uh uh you know sanction whatever you do there and he's going to approve of whatever you do there and so i always tell people i said make sure you pray about it and get peace in god that you're supposed to be there and find out who's in authority in that meeting 
you know the pharisees had that much sense they asked jesus all the time by whose authority are you doing these things you know because they believed in structure and authority above all there's nothing wrong with believing in structure and authority you know then get involved with these people who say well i got a right to pray and i'm no you stay away from them people you understand what i'm saying you got a right to go to hell too if you make up your mind to do it so just stay away from crazy people amen and make sure and even if you're in a church building church and it looks all churchy and everything you find out if that person really is you ask god are they ordained of you to do what they're doing does this follow your your prescription in scripture you understand what i'm saying make sure you get peace in your heart about things and you know what the bible says about it so you know it's a legitimate meeting all that kind of stuff so here we go in luke chapter 9 if you turn there it's what we want to talk about today i think we should start in what i think i'm saying 29 here oh this was jesus on the mountain of transfiguration he had peter um uh with peter james and john were with him in that yeah peter james and john so they've gone up to the mountain and pray and then they come down to from the mountain in verse 37 and it came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill much people met him and behold a man of the company cried out saying master I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is my only child. And a spirit takes him and suddenly cries out, and it tears him, and he foams again, and bruising him, hardly departing from him. And I besought your disciples to cast him out, but they could not. And Jesus said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bring your son to him? to me and while he was yet coming a devil threw him down and tore him jesus rebuked the devil the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again uh, to his father and they were all amazed at the mighty power of god uh, etc etc now um where's the other one here we go in mark 9 came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill many people met him and behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is my only child. And lo, a spirit takes him, and he suddenly cries out, and he tears him, he foams, bruising him. And I besought the disciples to cast him out. They couldn't. Jesus says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring your son to me. And when he was yet coming, the devil threw him down again. And, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while he wondered, they wondered everyone at all the things that Jesus did. He said to these disciples, let these sayings sink down into your ears for the son of man shall be delivered to the hands of sinful man. They understood him not. Now, what I want you to understand about this atmosphere that the disciples were in was a confused atmosphere there were lots of people around and they were the disciples were trying to cast the devil out of this boy 
but they were unsuccessful at it. Now, one of the reasons for lack of success can be lack of unction, can be lack of faith on the part of the person that's doing the ministry. It can be lack of understanding of what it takes to do the ministry. One of the things that Jesus did when when he would send them out, he would empower them before he would send them out. So we've got some interesting situations going here. Number one, Jesus has departed from them, gone up to the mountain, and while he's on the mountaintop, he has an experience with three of the disciples who are not there. So when it when he would send him out, the Bible says he sent the twelve out, and he gave them certain instructions for what to do while they were out ministering, And to be honest with you, what they are able to do is limited to what he instructs them to do. For instance, if if I wanted to pray, say Chuck goes out somewhere and she wants to pray for somebody who's sick. Her, Her ability to deliver what God wants her to deliver depends on what's in her heart that she has confidence that she can do or what she has faith that she can do. The other part of it is what the unction of the spirit instructs her to do in the moment. But she has a basic instruction in Mark 16, 17 and 18 to go into all the world, preach the gospel. And as she speaks, the words confirm with signs following. Whatever she has the unction to do, she's allowed and permitted to do that and God will honor it. If it gets beyond what her faith is or what her what the unction tells her, she's kind of like on her own. And so the disciples there, they're missing number one, three of their leaders that generally would be with them when they're ministering because they're up there with Jesus. So what I call this is maybe an unauthorized healing service that they are having because there may be times when people will kind of like provoke you into doing things you understand what i'm saying it kind of like daring you to why don't you pray for me you go to that church you why don't you you know you understand what i'm saying and so it might be one of those situations where the disciples were kind of caught off guard and they didn't want to seem like they didn't weren't capable or didn't know But there's something wrong here with the atmosphere, with the unction, with the what's being asked of them. There's something not right. And the disciples knew it because later on they asked Jesus why they couldn't cast the devil. Because usually what they're saying is, Jesus, usually this works for us. And it did not work this time. And my thinking is that the atmosphere was not right for what they were trying to do because later on Jesus told them the reason they couldn't cast him out was because of their unbelief. And he says unbelief comes out only by prayer and by fasting. So they had not prepared themselves for for doing this operation and that's why they weren't successful. See, there are times when you can be successful at things because you prepared yourself, you understand what's needed. But there may be times where you're caught off guard, where somebody insists you pray for them or somebody insists 
something. Then this is this is what this was. They got all these people around, crowded around, making noise, goading the disciples. You can do this. You can do this. How come you can't do this? And then the man standing over and watching and all that kind of stuff. It's hard to control what the Holy Spirit will do if you don't let him control the atmosphere. You cannot do a holy work in an unholy atmosphere. And and the more unholy your atmosphere is, the harder it's going to be for you to be able to be successful at what God sends you to do. Now, I've had people that, that will come up to me anxious, nervous, and I'll just keep walking away from them, you know. Well, I want you to pray. I want you to, I said, I'm going to pray for you. And keep walking. You understand what I'm saying? Because I don't have an unction to do what they're asking me to do. You understand what I'm saying? It's not, it ain't right. It ain't right. When it gets right, I pray. Ain't right. Like sometimes people will, uh, you know, if I give an altar call, you know, and then later on they'll come up and want prayer then. Ain't right. You know, I'll go ahead and I'll pray. I'll agree in prayer. But next time you come to the altar with us because that's the best time to come. You know, you can walk out of here totally healed if you come when the unction is fresh and you come when they when they because that's god inviting you to come now you just me because i don't like people running after me after the meeting that's not the point the point is there is an atmosphere and an unction present and it was present like 15 or 20 minutes ago but <laughs> i'm myself now you sure don't like her <laughs> you understand what i'm saying just, you know what i'm saying you don't want me just me doing stuff for you or trying that so so that's the whole big difference is the atmosphere must be created by god for what needs to be done and if you can't you don't have the relationship with god to understand what he's speaking to you to do and when you need to find out because if he gives you instructions go ye into all the world preach the gospel he can instruct you how to tell how to cooperate him to get that done see all believers should be capable of doing that all believers it it, there's no denomination written there there's no body left out of that that's to all believers and so once we understand what god's instructed us to do the rest of it what's left up to us is understand how and when to do it so we can be successful in it how to be able to understand when you go to people and and you want to help them see you can get more people responding to prayer than you can if you try to get them converted right away remember we used to go out winning souls and seldom won anybody till we learned how to pray for the sick and just ask people do you need prayer for anything once you start opening the door and that's really what jesus did he came they wanted they had problems they wanted to have fixed amen and so that's what he did. He was a problem solver. And so he's still the problem solver. And he still wants to do it through his people. So let's go back to Luke. Where were we first? Luke chapter 9. Praise God. We'll go back there and just examine some of the, the things that went on. 
Because if nothing else, you need to develop a discipline to what God wants you to do and when. If if God prompts you to ask somebody if they need prayer, he has an answer for it. Amen. Always pray the word. Just you don't have to think of anything ritzy, exotic. You don't have to prophesy to anybody because usually what happens when you do that, you start promising things to people that God did not promise them. Amen. And so you have to learn how to stay within the 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 word sets up the guardrails for us. So you can't go beyond the established boundaries. Amen. Yeah. So anyway, uh we need to understand that that God does work in atmospheres. We need to understand why we have meetings and why can't God just heal you at home sitting in front of your TV? Because there are many people who want to believe that God can do anything anywhere and it's usually a place that they choose because they don't want to obey God and go where he tells them to go. There are some people who have traveled miles because God told them to go there. And when they got there, God met them. There are people who have sat up and not gone anywhere and never got anything different. And so God wants to lead us to the atmosphere where our faith will couple with his anointing so that we can get what we need from God. And so in in Mark chapter 9, we'll start with verse 14 again. Wait a minute. You know what? I have Mark here anyway because I probably wanted to do Mark 9. Um, oftentimes I'll write through all three descriptions of a, the same situation. And so I have to go by what I had down here by my notes. I'm sorry about this. It's been a little years. I should have gone over it more carefully, but forgive me lord i didn't so in mark chapter 9 we'll start in verse 14 says and when he came uh, when he came to his disciples he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes and pharisees questioning them questions will always take the power out of the atmosphere when you when you use your faith you are declaring So that God can confirm what you speak with signs following. Questions tend to put confusion in the atmosphere. So when you're a minister, you are not to stop and answer questions. Unless the person that's receiving the ministry is asking them. You know, sometimes you'll say, well, well, do you, do you need prayer for anything? Well, yeah, um, you know, my finances and, and I got somebody at home sick and all this other. Well, I know God wants you well. I know he wants to heal them. So let's pray. Well, well, and then they'll stop and want to ask you something else. If it's a legitimate question where they're wanting explanation, then you can stop and answer it. And just tell them, well, why don't we pray first? I always tell people, I say, let me pray first. Let me get in the spirit first and see what God has to say to you. You understand what I'm saying? So as much as you can, get the doubt, the questioning, and the halting out of the atmosphere. It's important that you not let people who are in doubt and unbelief speak too much in that atmosphere that you have to pray in. And it's important that you not let them rob you of the word that you have in you by their lack and their unbelief. 
And so just tell them, you know what, let me let me pray. Maybe, you know, sometimes while I'm praying, God will say something that answers the question that you have in your heart. You understand that, you know, you can be a little polite to them and, and explain to them. But the other part of it, too, is that the enemy does things to steal the power out of the atmosphere so that you can't do your ministry. So here we have the Pharisees. I say they they see the disciples around there trying to work without Jesus, and they figure they jump on the weak ones. You understand what I'm saying? And and the enemy will do that to you. Amen? Anybody who's been in this ministry for any length of time and and God's put you in charge at a meeting, you know somebody's going to try to always question why you're doing that and all your authority. So questioning the ministers when Jesus' back is turned will cause the anointing to dissipate. Whatever atmosphere you had there was working for you, questions always express doubt, skepticism, and unbelief. So they question, the scribes questioning increases doubt and unbelief in the atmosphere. And then the disciples trying to answer and heal the boy too puts confusion in the atmosphere. So while you're trying to answer all these skeptics and critics sitting around, this, the atmosphere, what the enemy is doing is stealing the word out of your heart and stealing and putting your mind in confusion so you can't hear God. See, the devil will do anything he can to stop God's word from being performed and confirmed. So whenever Jesus had to deal with them too, they would come to his meetings, and but they were afraid. See, he knew how to bind the devil up. You, you understand, when, when he would say, why do you reason in your hearts? They they had questions, but they were scared to speak up because he had total authority. He had a spirit without measure. And so you can do the same thing. You bind them stupid devils up before you even get started somewhere and make sure they don't get loose in your situation. You don't have to say it loud and call nobody a devil either. You can just in your heart say, now look, devil, you ain't doing nothing in here. We know I bind you. you. You ain't getting loose here. Stop it. You turn around at the door. Amen. Sometimes, you know, if I would go in a place I didn't know anybody, I plead the blood when I walk through that door. I said, uh-uh, y'all ain't getting loose up in here. You know? Amen. <laughs> Stop laughing, Chuck. But you know it's the truth. You just, you do what you gotta do. You wanna have a decent meeting, or you can have a sideshow. Amen. But we having a meeting here. So anyway, but but it puts confusion in the atmosphere. Amen. And and then they try to admit, try to answer the scribes and Pharisees and heal the boy at the same time. It will it will put confusion and diminish the healing power that's in the atmosphere. Amen. So uh, where are we now in verse 14 through 16? What does verse 16 say? Um, and he asked the scribes. Why are you questioning with them? Amen. So when Jesus comes down, he sets things in divine order. In other words, he sees what's going on. His disciples aren't really hip to these scribes because they're used to the scribes being in authority. They're used to obeying them because these are people that have a position in their faith. 
And so you have to be careful of people with title and position coming into a meeting and speaking up like they own the meeting. You under- That's why we don't let people come in and just start blurting out, prophesying out, you know, out loud. If I know they're a minister, I'll tell them, Nola, go get them and sit them up front. You know, we ask them to sit up front. Why? Because I like to honor them, plus know that they're here. And then I know if God's speaking to me to release them to say anything. But if somebody's shouting from the back, that ain't going to work. You want to be recognized, you come up here so I can eyeball to eyeball you and whatever I need to do. You know what I'm saying. But try to keep things in order because you want to avoid the embarrassment of a public rebuke if you can. And and when you're in charge of a meeting, God will tell you if the unction to speak is on somebody and you need to hear what they have to say. After the meeting, when when we say the final prayer and I said this meeting is closed, that means you don't say anything else. So you have the authority to close the meeting to any other type of ministry. That's why a lot of them people that wait until Benny Hinn's auditorium is almost empty and start trying to yank somebody out of wheelchair, they never get up out the wheelchair. Because when the minister leaves the meetings, automatically shut down. Most people need to should know that, but they don't. So then they'll do a sneaky thing after you're out of the pulpit and everybody's scattered. Then they want to grab somebody and go give them a word. You understand? So you have to have people to stay around and shut that down too. Amen. And so you don't want people getting. There's a friend that a ministry friend that gave a testimony about. A woman that used to come to her meetings, and this lady uh, had a a, a very um, um, uh, uh, what do you call it successful business, and she supported a lot of different ministries and missionaries and stuff like that. That was her gift. She enjoyed doing it, and she went to a meeting somewhere, and somebody prophesied to her that God uh, told her to start a church. And he wanted it to grow to a certain number in a certain um, length of time. If it didn't grow, she would die of some kind of sickness. And she believed it. You got me? <clears throat> so you can get any kind of errand. And, and, and even though that one, she died. She didn't. She went and started the church. It wasn't successful. She caught that illness and died. And there are people who will tell you opposite things. God's going to make you a millionaire. You know, you, he started out, give so-and-so this much, give so-and-so that much, give so-and-so. You, you understand what I'm saying? So you have to be careful. It, I, I'll tell people, I said, if it's anything, I said, I'll stand behind any word that's spoken by anybody I release this meeting to up here. But I'm not standing by anything you got from somebody in the bathroom after the meeting was over or anything like that i don't know who those people are so don't come to me complaining when it doesn't come to pass and so amen because people do that you know so so anyway jesus asked them why are you questioning them that's my posse i'm in charge of them they don't belong to you. They're not under your authority. Why are you messing with them? 
Amen. So Jesus takes authority over the scribes because they are not authorized to have anything to do with a Jesus meeting. Even though the disciples are trying to do something that they probably are not clear they're supposed to be doing it because it's not working for them. They still the, the, the scribes and Pharisees have no authority over a meeting that Jesus sanctioned. Why? Because they weren't his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees were not disciples of Jesus. They were not being taught. They were not being trained. They weren't released. They don't know nothing about this, so they have nothing to say about it. And so we have to be understanding of these things. When people say, for instance, somebody who's not spirit-filled trying to tell you about healing, I doubt they can tell you very much at all. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's no reason for them to understand it because they don't understand the supernatural very much without the baptism in the holy spirit some people do have they have throughout the ages they've had some people john alexander dowie they said he never spoke in tongues actually spoke against it but he had a very extraordinary healing ministry because he worked and cooperated with god on the level he could he's just blinded in that one area would have been nice if he could have opened up for further learning but once he got a success god just honored his word and he honored him going forth and in, in in attempting to help people so uh in mark 14 9 14 they were questioning jesus's ministers behind his back and and it turned into uh, an atmosphere of confusion so those questions brought forth the confusion in the atmosphere questions are meant in this kind of an atmosphere i believe those questions were meant to throw the disciples off guard they were meant to make them not successful in what they were trying to do and you need to understand that for yourself too you understand me don't let people talk too much when you're going to minister to people. That's why a lot of times when we have people say like, for instance, we go out and do street ministry and street witnessing. I try to instruct people, you know, if say, for instance, Miss Nolan, Chuck and, and uh, Miss Pat go out together. Well, if Miss Pat begins to pray for that person, Miss Nolan and, and Chuck don't need to butt in. You understand? You just. Now, if there's something to be added, Miss Pat, when you're done praying, you can say, do either you ladies have some? Just as a courtesy, you know, you have something to add. But do it under the unction. Don't do it with somebody you'll know nothing about because you'll be there three hours with them trying to read the Bible to them from memory. You understand what I'm saying? And so always do things by unction. Keep it direct and to the point and and allow people to get a witness from the holy ghost that that prayer was heard because most people will have some kind of peaceful response either on the inside or they may say something to you or or something like that to let you know that they have received what it is that you prayed amen so jesus takes authority first he stops the nonsense he goes right to the source of the problem, and that's the Pharisees asking questions. So he shuts them up right away. He said, why are you questioning them? Then the multitude, uh, one of the multitudes, so here we got 
a group of people around and jesus can't even tell who's getting prayed for who's not getting prayed for but he goes right to the source of the trouble and that's the pharisees and their questions and so he starts to bring divine order number one the people who have unbelief and who are there for no good you got to remove them out of the picture remember when he went to raise that girl from the dead he only took certain people with him made everybody else stay outside because he was there to have success and not trouble you don't do this to be mean to people and to try to be exclusive you do it by unction of the holy spirit so that you can locate the source of the difficulty and get that atmosphere right for healing you'll know when you got to the source of the the problem because the atmosphere will change when you got the right person to shut up and stop agitating and causing trouble then the atmosphere will change to a more peaceful atmosphere where you can sense the holy spirit is more in charge and you can go forth with what you want him to do so out of this whole crowd there's all these people crowded around making noise questioning carrying on carrying on and the disciples are still trying to speak to that devil and get him out of the boy see they had a lot to learn a lot to learn about atmospheres a lot to learn about ministry so when you're a disciple you are still learning i'm still learning we're all still learning because we don't exhaust the knowledge of god ever amen and so once once he got that started getting to the root of the problem sorting things out got the atmosphere conducive then the man with the sun speaks up and he says he tells jesus what the problem is and and jesus answered he talks to the disciples and he rebukes them and tells them their faith is not where it's supposed to be well how could it be if all these confused people are making all this noise see once you start addressing distraction problems confusion you lose your faith that you had in god that you could use for your prayer and now you've dissipated and got yourself off on another tangent trying to trying to get somebody else's approval who has no authority to approve or disapprove of you see pharisees they had no authority to question anything that the disciples of that was a violation of their protocol anyway because if somebody had a if there was a master who had students you let his students alone you let him be in just like if if somebody from this ministry went went somewhere and some pastor tried to tell you need to do this and you need to do he's not your pastor you don't have to listen to anything he says and so this is was a protocol there once a a master or a a teacher had a group of students they didn't try to steal each other's students or try to influence them one way or the other so that that was something that was never done so jesus takes authority over them then he told tells his disciples he rebukes them and he lets them know that their faith isn't what it's supposed he says oh faithless generation verse 19 how long will i be with you how long shall i put up with you bring him to me this silences their unbelief as well see when people are students they have to be corrected and sometimes on the spot so that they know that their input is not correct 
Now, people don't tend to respond to that very well, but when you're a learner and you know you're a learner, it's a help to you. Amen? Because it's it's like, you know, when pastors are, are speaking to 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 sheep sometimes there's things they can say for correction that will help the whole group and help that person on the spot and and then there are some things that can be said privately you understand what i'm saying but everything you don't have to go drag people off in a corner somewhere all the time and just sometimes things are done publicly they need to be corrected publicly you understand me? Here the disciples publicly are trying to minister to this kid and it's not successful. They need to be corrected publicly. Amen? And their things need to be set in order. Because number one, there's a multitude of people watching. And they need to know that this is not the ministry of Jesus that's being done down here like this. Huh? It's like this ain't my work. And y'all need to now listen. You, 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 unbelieving, faithless, that's your problem. So now everybody knows why this wasn't successful. Amen? And they all need to know why it's not successful. Because the multitudes were being taught too. They need to know the right way to do things and the wrong way to do things. And so in order for Jesus to set it up so that his faith will work and he can be successful, he has to set everything in the atmosphere in divine order. So you Pharisees that ain't your business, shut up, quit questioning. These are my disciples. Stop messing with them. You disciples, you ain't in faith and you know you're not in faith. Why are you doing this? You stop. So as he rebukes every spirit that's not conducive to the atmosphere the atmosphere begins to change if you get people from from chatting and carrying on and sipping coffee and get them into worship the atmosphere will change amen now it might have been a pleasant atmosphere for a little socialization but it's not the atmosphere where the preaching's going to work and the teaching's going to work amen so anyway this father comes up and he talks to Jesus and tells him what's wrong. That's in verse 17. He tells him the problem. He says, wherever I take him, this, 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 I can't even take him out of the house for this devil being on him all the time. And he says he, he makes him, uh, grind his teeth and wail and carry on. He said, and I asked your disciples to cast him out. They couldn't. And so Jesus rebukes the disciples. He lets the man know that they don't have the goods. Why does he need to let that man know that? So that will increase his faith. It's like Jesus said, this ain't how my ministry works. So they're really complaining to Jesus and kind of trying to tie him in with the faithless, you know, the faithless disciples. And Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh, no, they're not obeying me when they do this kind of stuff. That ain't my work. Amen. And so he says, he, he, uh, he says, uh, he says, how long shall I allow this? Bring him to me. In other words, I'll take care of this. And he says, and they brought him to him right away. The spirit tore him. He fell on the ground, wallowed foam in the father. And he asked the father, how long ago since this happened? And he said, of a child. And then the father tells him more about the history of what happened. He says, and if you can do anything, have compact if you can do anything 
See, here it is. The man is blaming Jesus again for what his disciples did. So Jesus knows as long as he's tied in in this man's mind with his faithless disciples, this little boy ain't going nowhere. You understand what I'm saying? Because in the end, it's got to be the father's faith in the minister and the father's faith in God that's going to this little boy's get him delivered. And so Jesus begins to separate himself from all the unbelief that's out there to give the father confidence. When when he would go somewhere, he would begin by telling people that God had anointed him to do what he's doing. There's the anointings on me to do these things. You know, now people think you bragging or something like that, but I'm just telling you how I can stand here qualified to do what I'm trying to do here. Well, I am going to do in Jesus name. Amen. And so and Jesus talks to him a little bit and he says, oftentimes it casts. Now, why is Jesus chatting with this man? Huh? Oh, he's just letting the man talk. The man's telling him. Now, the man isn't really talking faith when you think about it. Huh? He's just chatting with him. Sometimes you'll ask people things just to get them comfortable. You ever talk to people that you go up to as a total stranger and you offer to pray for them? And you'll talk to them and, 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 you know, the conversation, like I'll talk to somebody and, and they'll say, well, well, yeah, I want to, I need prayer for this because I'm not doing what God told me to do. And I say, well, where, where you go to church? What you, you understand? It's that kind of stuff. Just a little chit chat, a little chit chat, break the ice, get him over into a comfort now. So Jesus is just getting this man comfortable with him. He's letting the man see, I'm interested in you. I care about you. To put him at ease so that when he has to produce the faith, it's easier for him. Some conversations make it easier for the person to believe. That, that's my, that's the way I look at it, okay? And so he says, uh, in, in, he says, how long ago has it happened? Verse 21, oftentimes, verse 22, his father's telling them a history of it. And, and Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible. If you can believe, all things are possible. Right away, the father cried out and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So the father confesses, I didn't get messed up in the same mess your disciples were messed up in. Amen. So and so he says when he when the father confesses this, Jesus saw that the people came running together and he rebuked the foul spirit and said, in other words, Jesus did this right in the nick of time because here comes confusion and the devil again. Amen. So sometimes you got to he's working. Jesus is working, number one, to get the source of the confusion off. He knows the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and he knows their game. So when he sets divine order, he gets the source of the confusion out of the picture. He makes them shut up and leave his students alone. Like, y'all know better than that. We don't steal each other's sheep. And so he makes them stop because they're legalists anyway. They believe right and wrong. It's easy to make them shut up. And so he gets them to shut up. Then he rebukes the disciples. You shut up too because you're doing nothing but messing around in unbelief. Then he points to the father. He gets the father calmed down and gets him talking a little bit. And so the father confesses, I'm believing as best I can, but I've got unbelief too. 
So unbelief has killed that whole atmosphere for anything good to happen for those for that boy. And so when Jesus, he tells Jesus, Lord, I believe, please help my unbelief. That's the same thing as repenting of your sins. So God sees it as an act of repentance. He sees this man confessing that I don't have the goods either. And when Jesus saw that people were running together and starting up confusion again, he said the foul spirit, he said, come out of you, deaf and dumb spirit. I charge thee, come out of him and don't go into him anymore. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him as though he were dead. And people said he was dead. Unbelief again. See, when you perform an act of God and they still say it didn't work. Here they see this devil coming out of this boy and then they still say it's not working. You understand what I'm saying? They just so much unbelief. See, if we could ever get an atmosphere where there's nothing but faith, man, we could roll. But you're going to have skeptics. You're going to have people that believe lies. You have people that don't mean the minister no good. They come there to provoke the minister. They come there to do whatever they want to do and not do and not cooperate with. Everybody that comes to a healing meeting doesn't have the, the interest of the sick people at heart. They come for a lot of different reasons. And so when we talk about a healing atmosphere, it has to be chopped 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 off of every unbelieving every uh uh fictitious spirit all the witches gotta leave all the you understand what i'm saying you have to take authority over that atmosphere and you gotta get worship in there you gotta get anointed you gotta work the best you can to get that atmosphere right so that god can come in and have total control over what he wants to do amen and total control over getting devils out of the atmosphere so god wants us to understand healing in 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 a greater and greater way but understand as you go and and you minister to people and you witness to people and you pray for people understand that you carry a personal atmosphere talk to god about what he wants you to do Don't step out and try to pray for anybody unless God moves you to do that. You understand what I'm saying? You can find, you can get a lot of strife with people and get a lot of trouble, you know, personal trouble with people because of their unbelief if if you don't allow God to control that atmosphere. Amen? All right. Why don't we stop? Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for giving us atmospheres in which we work. We thank you, Lord, that the healing atmosphere is is one that is charged with your compassion and your power. We thank you, Lord, for your power and for your anointing. Thank you, Father, for blessing us with the things that we need at all times that you we're never short on anything that's necessary. So, Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We honor you. Get some music for me, honey. We honor you. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for every soul here, and I thank you, Lord, for blessing us with the things that we need for this coming week. I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes we are all healed. And I thank you, Father, for blessing us 
with the healing power of God, with the faith for healing. We thank you, Lord, that as we go about our routine, we are uh, insulated from any infection. We are insulated from any germs, that, that nothing will come near our dwelling place, that we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So we thank you, Father, for what we honor you and we love you. In the name of Jesus, let us do our confession. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. Thank you, Father, that by the stripes of your son, Jesus, I am healed. My family's healed. My household is healed. All my seed are healed. My neighborhood is healed. In Jesus' name, amen. And so be it, it is so decreed in Jesus' name.